0: Welcome to Heads Up Missouri. To keep you informed and to keep the conversation going, we Missouri legislators will podcast from your state capitol. As women legislators from across the state with unique perspectives, we hope to provide insight to the state policy process. So welcome.
1: Hi, I'm State Representative Tracy McCreary. I represent Olivet and Creve Corps in St. Louis County.
2: I'm Lauren Arthur, State Representative for a district in North Kansas City, the best district in the world!
3: <laughs> of course. I'm State Representative Deb Lander. I represent Kirkwood and Glendale in the St. Louis County area.
2: Hi, I'm Senator Kiki Curls. I represent the 9th District in Kansas City in Raytown, Missouri. And I'm State
0: Senator Jill Shoop, representing all our parts of 22 communities in St. Louis County. From now on, you'll find our podcast on Squarespace, Stitcher, and iTunes by searching for Heads Up Missouri. So welcome to Heads Up Missouri.
2: Welcome to Heads Up Missouri. Uh, This week we will be talking about other policy issues such as Senate Bill 98 or the so-called bathroom bill, um, House Bill 288 or the unemployment benefits bill, charter schools, and a couple of other issues. Well, things that have passed off the calendar, uh, unemployment benefits in the House.
3: We had a chance in the House today to hear an unemployment bill and see if I can get the history as short as possible. So a year ago, Mm two years ago, Mm -hmm. this bill passed on the floor. It passed in the Senate, and it was sent to the governor's office earlier enough in the process. The governor vetoed it, but because it was during session, and there's a specific time amount Mm -hmm. that we can do all of this in, the governor vetoing it, it came back to us while we were in session. Mm -hmm. The House re-brought the bill back up, and we overrode the veto. Mm -hmm. And so... um, near the end of that Senate term um, (coughs) is when the Senate stopped working um, early. Yes, (laughs) we were
0: still here working. We Uh, were just sort of not moving things forward. There there were complications in the Senate the
3: Senate did not pick up this bill to overturn it. Mm -hmm. So then we recess in May and now it's veto session in September. And at that time the Senate brought up the bill and there was controversy at the time that No, because the governor had been forced, you know, procedurally to overturn it during session. If the veto override was going to happen, it needed Mm -hmm. to happen during the session. The Senate said, no, we can still overturn it in the veto session, which they did. But then the the case was brought to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. said, oops, by the way, Senate... If you were going to overturn this, you needed to do it during the regular session. You missed your chance. This bill isn't
0: valid today. I can I just want to add a comment because I remember Governor Nixon putting out there the message, look, Senate, you don't get two bites at the apple. Yes. Mm-hmm. The yep. So. That's how he described it.
3: So this reduced unemployment benefits from twenty weeks down to thirteen weeks. Yep. And we all well,
1: history you told us is all fine and dandy. I'm impressed you could remember all that. But the point is is I feel like we really are going after people that through no fault of their own, find themselves unemployed. Mm -hmm. People, if you've been fired for cause because you did something wrong in violation of the the code of conduct or whatever, you're not eligible for unemployment. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see what we have against people that are down on their luck. And unemployment is not very generous at all. It's not like people are like getting rich off of unemployment. And pardon me for not sliding this in, what the bill does
3: is it takes us from 20 weeks down to 13. That's a huge drop. And it's after having lowered it already, Two years before that from 26 weeks? Mm -hmm. I think something like that. So so we've gone in the course of maybe six years from 26 weeks, we're now at 20. Cut in half. And now again, we're asking to reduce
0: it in the House down to 13 weeks. And and here's the interesting part about it, and and let me see if this is still true, because the bill that we heard that was stopped before that the governor had vetoed um, said that Mm -hmm the unemployment rate in the bill was a statewide average. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is that still the case? Because here's, so think about the problem. Mm -hmm. In a a certain Mm -hmm. community that you may live in, if a big industry shuts down or moves, and the unemployment rate in your community is significantly above the average unemployment rate throughout the rest of the state, it doesn't matter, your unemployment benefits are cut back 13 weeks. So, in a place where there just aren't going to be the same numbers of jobs yeah. available, the idea that you within a 13 week period versus previously 20 and maybe even 26, although I kept thinking 28, but um I'm not sure
2: which which I'm it was. But
0: the point being, uh, it doesn't it doesn't even take into consideration circumstances that may happen and in it a particular seems like community. that
2: disproportionately impacts rural areas where industry leaves more quickly than in urban or suburban areas and the representative who introduced this bill both years and twenty fifteen and now this year represents a really rural area.
3: Well and interesting, I was talking to a, a Republican representative from the Boot Hill tonight and he will not vote for this. Okay. So fortunately for him, because the bill was overturned in the Supreme Court when Naranda closed, mm-hmm. which is the large aluminum smelting plant down in the Boot Hill. Was was closed no there. a little bit maybe about a year ago, mm-hmm. laid off a thousand employees. Right. And so, for him, this was an additional seven weeks of unemployment for all of those people yeah. down in the Boot Hill area. That they at least got a little bit more money in unemployment. Had this bill gone through, those people wouldn't have gotten those additional seven weeks that they did.
1: Well, and I've been unemployed before, um, and. It took me more than 13 weeks to find a new job. One of the challenges, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but like it right. took me months and months and months to find a job.
0: Well, so. and some of these people may be do, going through retraining mm-hmm. for new jobs. Right. So, you know, giving them a little extra time to make sure that they are, and these are basics, putting food yeah. uh, yes. on the
1: table of, of their families. So the average um, payout is about $250 a week, which is, you know, for a lot of people, not even enough to meet your basic needs while you're you know, desperately looking for a job. And we hear the standard
3: fare that just seems to be the same all the time. These people need to get a job, they need to stop sitting down and waiting, they need, you know, gee, it always seems like they get a job right when their unemployment benefits are ending. So there, we just categorize people of this state as being lazy, not wanting to work, um, trying to take everything that they can possibly take advantage of, and yet for me as a small business employer, I don't pay a lot into the unemployment fund, Mm -hmm. and I think that's my responsibility. That's part of the game that I bring to the table when I'm an employer. Mm -hmm. I pay for unemployment benefits for people if they... if something were to happen with with my business
0: that I would not be able to employ them
3: anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair practices for businesses.
0: Well, I think the point you make, and I hear it in several things and in several arenas, is the idea that everybody out there who needs at some point in time, and that's so all many people us. in this, all of us mm-hmm. at some point in time, yep. everybody out there is doing what they can to cheat the system as opposed mm-hmm. to these are real needs people have yeah. and how can we, the one thing the government, the one thing we're able to do with, with the co- tax collections we get and the revenues we have is to support our neighbors when they are in need. So yeah. um, the attitude is one that just mm-hmm. I, I,
1: yeah.
0: I find just, very disappointing. It's
2: upsetting that the pervasive attitude is my decisions are better than yours, and therefore I'm gonna to legislate to serve my needs. Um, so we've seen that with House Bill 288, but also with Senate Bill 98, which is my experience is more valid than yours, as opposed to understanding that everyone's humanity is valid. Um, Tell us what Senate Bill 98 is. Well, I'd like Senator Shoup to talk yes. about it because she's so, in the committee. Yes. Yeah, so
0: this came through the Education Committee yesterday, and um, this bill is about the use of bathrooms for transgender students in public K-12 through schools. And we had um, three bills to be heard in that hearing yesterday and usually hearings last two hours. The first two bills took, I think, longer, they were controversial, so they took a little longer than perhaps the chair expected. We ended up extending the committee uh, time and the time on the floor far beyond what was expected because two rooms were actually packed with people um, and many of these people were, um, I shouldn't say many, there were adults who were transgender, Uh, one woman who had been a Marine uh, before she Mm -hmm. recognized that she Mm -hmm. was truly a woman, Mm -hmm. and we had children there, Mm -hmm. and these beautiful young children who told their stories or whose parents told their stories, these children who knew, uh, I think one of them, I wrote down the quote that she said, um, her mom, when she was transitioning from a crib to her bed, Mm -hmm. her parents surprised her with a red sports car bed and they were so excited to give this to to her at, at the time she was a he mm-hmm. right so she had right. been born right she had been born with male genitalia so they presented him mm-hmm. with this bed and he said but i'm a girl oh wow and that was the the first mm-hmm. recognition yeah. not i'd like to be a girl yeah. or i think i should be a girl i would like to dress like a but I'm a girl. And tell Mm -hmm. us again how old that person was at the time too. From two years old. Transitioning from a crib to a bed. From from two years Mm -hmm. old. So um, most of the children who spoke told us about, Mm -hmm. you know, their lives, about how now, wherever they are, um, and and again, if you would see them, they're beautiful children that you wouldn't know to be any different from any other child Mm -hmm. uh, in your life. But they told us some with, tearfully, how they were accepted by their peers and their classmates, and that Mm -hmm. nobody would question why this girl with her hair pulled back in a ponytail named Samantha, who was born Sam, Mm -hmm. why nobody minded that she was in the girls' bathroom because she was a girl. Mm -hmm. And story after story after story, um, and they were beautiful stories and stories of strength of children and their families and courage and bravery to be able to come forward and to say, it doesn't matter what my body was born like, this is who I am. I, I don't even know how many different people testified, 20, 30, I, I don't know, hmm. but it was um, inspiring. None of, these, none of these children were anything but willing and ready and wanting to say, here is who I am, trust me to know Mm -hmm. who I am and what is right for me, and I go to the bathroom so that I can go to the bathroom, and I take a shower so I can clean off my body, I am not there for any other purpose, no matter what you might, and Mm -hmm. certainly not to make a political statement, and not for what the ideas in your mind might impose upon uh,
2: me.
3: Well, Mm -hmm. I think this shows the acceptance of the, I'm gonna say younger generation, because Mm -hmm. those of us sitting at this table aren't in that generation. So there's just such an inequity for these individuals.
0: Well, I think particularly the organization Transparent, which um, mm-hmm. a good friend cool. of mine uh, is part of that organization, and her uh, daughter Grace is now her son oh, yeah. Will. You might you might know mm-hmm. him, and and uh, you know seeing him again as a 16 year old boy a couple of years ago versus the little girl, the little sad girl that I knew that wore khakis and an Oxford cloth mm-hmm. shirt even as a very little girl. This boy with this giant smile on his face and my children who went to school with their family always said We're so, he is so lucky that he was born into the family of parents that he was right. because they took his beliefs seriously. They got him uh, the hormone replacement mm-hmm. therapies that he needed in order not to grow female genitalia like breasts. Mm-hmm. This was a male. Mm-hmm. so." Um, you know the the sponsor of the bill talked about the fact that this is really you know one percent, and that we need to be mindful of the other ninety nine percent of the people who go into that bathroom. But I will tell you, if some of the people in the room who now are men with beards walked in to a female's oh bathroom, gosh, every you... female in that bathroom would have screamed right. bloody murder and so, said, "Hey, you're in the wrong bathroom!" Right. Mm-hmm. So yes. um, you know this is not about yeah. um, anything anything public. This is about going to the bathroom and taking care of your business and moving on and being who you are. So I've heard from many of my school districts and school personnel. You know, it's not as if we didn't have people that were different among us when we were growing up. of course. just that it wasn't really talked about. Our school districts have said to me, this is ours to deal with. Don't impose upon us some rule made by the people in the ivory tower in Mm -hmm. Jefferson City in the capital. Let us deal with our students and their families, whether they are the transgender student or the the general population. Mm -hmm. Let us work with them and deal with them in a way that is best for everyone. So I
2: think it's Mm -hmm. important to recognize that the the pushback is against a federal recommendation. It is not a regulation. It is the Obama administration saying, we want these protections. The Senate pushing this bill last year and this year is picking and choosing what they want to be local control um, and undermining the more inclusive nature of St. Louis schools, but Columbia Public Schools also has a trans inclusion policy, um, and it's for those local districts and local political divisions to it's determine. Saying that Trump rolled back those yeah. uh, protections today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, the current administration has rolled back some of those protections. Um, there's, we're going to see a lot of convoluted policy, and it doesn't help that the Senate is trying to interject themselves in the middle of it
0: right so these are civil rights issues and civil justice social justice issues and um i think all of us in the room even though we have different opinions on some issues are going to stand up for the right of those of those people to be who they are
1: yep yep exactly
0: um and then
3: i'm happy to bring up charter bills just a little bit we had a tremendous discussion in budget so there's a charter school in the house and i'm not sure where it might be in the senate that would expand charter schools from just St. Louis City, just Kansas City, to encompass the entire state. And what I'm pleased to say is it has been in the Education Committee in the House for probably close to three weeks now. That's a long time for
1: something. And it has not been
3: voted out. Mm. And it's not been voted out because of the numbers of phone calls and emails that those committee members are getting saying, do not vote this out. Mm -hmm. So St. Louis City, Kansas City, have had charter schools for about 20 years. Half of them fail, Mm. half of them. Aren't some of them for
1: profit too?
3: Some of them are for profit, but half of them have failed at a cost of $600 million to taxpayers. So a charter school has set up in these areas because they've had um, challenged schools, Mm -hmm. and so this was a solution to let's bring better education. But as we open it up across the state, a charter school only needs a sponsor, can go into any community and set up, enroll students, and then immediately pull 90% of public education dollars to pay for that charter school. There's no accountability. There are not standards that they have to meet. Yesterday, Desi met. There are two charter schools in St. Louis mm-hmm. that have very poor student results and they were asked to renew their charter yesterday. The DESE board, or um, pardon me, I'm not exactly sure, maybe a charter board uh, that does this type of thing, voted against them being renewed in the first half of the meeting. They recessed, they came back, and then gave them their charter because they are not empowered to take away the charter.
0: The sponsor is though, and I think the sponsor that is. I think
3: but the Desi uh, Charter Board, mm-hmm. that theoretically mm. governs them, is not empowered to take away their charter, and so they they symbolically voted we're going to take away your charter. Although a court has already weighed into this once before, they did that. The charter school sued. The courts decided Desi uh, uh, Secondary and mm-hmm. Elementary Education had no authority to be able to do that. So they symbolically yesterday tried to say, if we could, we would have taken your charter from you.
0: I want to ask you a question. You said something earlier about a charter school can go into a community mm-hmm. and take 90% of the public school district's funds. I, I, I wasn't clear yes. on what you were saying there. So, yes. So
3: the, um, the state has an education formula. It's based on uh, children's attendance at a school. Oh, 90% of the, adic- of the um, average daily attendance no the average daily attendance is how schools get their money from the education formula right so whatever that amount is so if a charter school sets up they can take 90 percent of those dollars so if you're paid a dollar for every student and they take out of 100 they take 10 of your kids Nine of those dollars would follow those kids to that charter school. Okay. So you're taking. So, money so you're not saying
0: ninety percent of the school, the public school districts' dollars. You're saying ninety percent. Okay, based on the enrollment. Yes. Okay, Thanks just wanted to make sure it's was clear yeah. on that. Ninety
3: percent right. of the kids from a district that go to the charter school, the money will follow them to the charter.
0: School. So and these are public taxpayer dollars. And yes. and you know I just want to make a comment because to me when charter schools were uh, first conceived of, whenever that was, or back when I was on the school board and we Mm -hmm. talked about them, the idea that a school um, would form in the district that was using taxpayer dollars to step outside of some of the tough rules and regulations that schools, public schools have to operate under to say, we're gonna try some different things that may not fall under those regulations. We're gonna step outside those, and we're gonna learn, we're gonna use this as a classroom laboratory. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna learn if we can find better ways to help students Mm -hmm. achieve. And if we can do that, then we're gonna take those ideas, and we're gonna fight to deregulate in some areas so that we can put those things into place in our public schools. And we're working in cooperation in order to do that. That has never been the way this has worked. Mm -hmm. And it's so unfortunate because what we're doing is, even if we have a school district that has real problems and that is not doing well by its kids. Since the previous foundation formula was in place and the one before that, we have never fully funded the foundation formula. So we've never provided school districts with the money that we say they need in order to operate fully. And just last year, when we took $450 million out of what the adequacy target was for our schools, what we did was say, we're not gonna meet that promise we made during the last formula that we created. We have a new formula that gives less money to the schools. So while money isn't the answer to every problem, it allows us to hire more teachers, to hire tutors, to to try to pull kids that are having special needs, Mm -hmm. whether it's at the top Mm -hmm. end of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. because they're the brightest kids, or somewhere at the bottom end of the spectrum, because they're kids that have different challenges. We haven't haven't, uh, fulfilled our promise to our kids in our schools so and when we say you can't throw money at a problem it seems to be such
3: a response that you hear across so many gamuts but if you look at school systems that throw more money for education than other school systems do they seem to have better outcomes and so we're not just indiscriminately asking for monies to school districts We're asking for adequate funding to educate the children of our state. We all know we're going to STEM jobs, science and math are critical. We have schools in Missouri that don't teach chemistry, that aren't teaching physics. These are the courses that we need these children to have. And if we were to provide every school district in Missouri another $1,000 per kid, that would hire more teachers, lower class size, gives these programs a chance to succeed who knows what Missouri could do.
2: Um, So I want to actually build off of that. Uh, Representative Morgan introduced an amendment to the virtual education bill on the House floor um, yesterday or the day before and her concern was that replacing AP classes with virtual education um, just doesn't seem particularly tenable. I can't remember what the amendment was Um, but I think that it's interesting that there's this push for privatization and virtual based learning Mm -hmm. when this problem has been created by the legislature itself with the creation of the foundation formula not fulfilling it.
3: One of the concerns I, I have, and pardon me Senator, that it, it, you know a lot of this might come back to Rex Singfeld. So Rex Singfeld's the billionaire St. Louisan <coughs> who has given a lot of money to Republicans, mostly Republicans, and one of his pushes to privatize schools and for charter education and for virtual education and I'm just very concerned that this is honoring promises made to a big donor.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I don't disagree with that at all. But I will say that I do see the value in some kinds of virtual education. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what I mean. So if I'm a little tiny school district out in uh, rural Missouri in the Boot Hill, and I'm uh, the Clayton or the Ladue school district that has a lot of money, that has an AP chemistry class that I'm even going to go beyond AP chemistry, whatever the next level is, that six people in my district can take, but there's a child in the Boot Heel that needs access to that course. I'm not expecting to pay a teacher to go to, mm-hmm. beca- to pay a salary mm-hmm. and benefits for a teacher to become part of the Boot Heel School District's staff. Mm-hmm. But what I could do is remotely have that child remotely access in real time that course so that we can all participate in the class discussion and we can all be working on this together. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you go through a private company or whether you do it with from school district to school mm-hmm. district so the money flows within the districts, you know, mm-hmm. I think that you have to watch carefully because we don't want to be taking money away from school districts that are already providing this kind of coursework. If it's something really unusual, um, and I can't think of what that would be like at an AP this moment. geography class. Yeah, for yeah. example, and we don't have one, and we want to go to um, MoVIP. I think is the is mm-hmm. the virtual program that we the states program. Then you know, yes, let's have somebody create the curriculum, create the coursework,
2: and allow those students for the time that they are going to be there, that they need it to access those. And I just thought during this entire conversation on the house floor that the big issue that they're not talking about is how the FCC has ruled that they don't have to provide. Um, equal internet access to rural areas. So I want that student in the boot heel to succeed, but how are they gonna succeed if the virtual education isn't accessible because they don't have internet, or high quality internet?
1: Tonight in utilities, the reason I was a little late is um, we're talking about this idea of these small wireless carriers that can be mounted to poles in mm-hmm. rural areas or urban issues to help help us achieve 5G for um, wireless communication and you know these are all things that we're going to have to do in order for virtual education to work. People mm-hmm. have to have access to to strong data signals mm-hmm. to the internet, that kind of thing. And Missouri sadly is still not um, wired up properly for this. Right. So we have to
2: build the infrastructure before right. we can even be successful right. with yeah. virtual mm-hmm. education. Right. right. So the House perfected and third read Real ID this week, and the Senate heard for the first time um, and then laid over their version of Real ID. And can we kind of talk about what this means for Missourians? Because it's an oddly contentious issue and in the majority party. It's not on partisan lines.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not contentious in the Democratic Party, that's for sure. (laughs) I think there's agreement within everybody, all the Democrats that we have, well, that we should never have been in this situation to begin with. Mm -hmm. We got into this situation because of some very, very conservative, um, paranoid people years ago after, so after September 11th. The Bush administration put the Real ID Act into place, and that requires certain forms of documentation to be um, presented before you can get what is certified as a real ID. And it's to help um, help protect us, you know. And that's a whole other issue, you Mm -hmm. know, whether it does or not. But the the fact is, it's the law of the land, and every state is supposed to be issuing real ID compliant. Um, IDs in order to travel by air or to go to courthouses or um, to go onto military Military bases bases. or something Mm -hmm. like that. So anyway, years ago, um, maybe a decade or so ago, um, yeah, about a decade ago, some very conservative lawmakers in Missouri passed a bill and the governor signed it and said that we, that the Missouri Department of Revenue was not going to um, comply with it. And not only that they weren't going to comply with the real ID act at the federal level, but that they weren't even allowed to, you know, communicate about it. They kind of were like shunned from that. So fast forward. And then if you guys want to pick up, go ahead. Oh, You're good. Okay. So fast forward to today. Um, I can't tell you how many countless, pieces of communication from constituents who are totally freaked out because now we're starting to see signs around Missouri saying that if you don't have a real ID compliant um, ID by January of 2018, you're not gonna be able to fly. And we've already heard from our constituents. Yes. They can't get onto military
3: bases. Right, right. Weddings, people have weddings on military bases. Some had a constituent who was going to New York for a wedding on a military base. I think it was even West Point and all of a sudden she realizes she doesn't have a passport, which is then the next piece Mm -hmm. of uh, ID required to get onto these. And so it's tremendous contentions across the state. People are calling us and emailing us and saying, what the heck is going on over there? One Republican on the floor said he's not had as much communication
0: on any topic in his whole time here except this. Well, hmm. and it's interesting, not only is it an inconvenience to our constituents, but on the military basis when they do need mm-hmm. to let someone on, so somebody who is delivering something for the cafeteria, mm-hmm. they have to be escorted everywhere they go oh. if they don't have the appropriate oh. ID. So think of how our military personnel are being utilized in a role that they were never intended to have to spend time yeah. doing. So.
3: So I, I've heard some, you know, of the people on the House floor. So yesterday, the Democrats really kind of sat and watched the Republicans, back and forth. Those who are for it, those who are against it, and one of the uh, Republicans from the Kansas City area, and I was a little surprised. He just he made it just sound like this is the government's way of being in your entire life that from now on, no matter what you wanna do, you'll take your real ID and you'll put the chip in because the chip is coming, trust me on this one, that everything from loans, to buying your groceries, to traveling on planes, to driving your car, to getting on a military base, is just gonna be this mega it's database. It's this big
0: fear. Yeah.
3: Yes. Now well, is she
0: on Facebook?
2: Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It just like frustrates me as a brown Missourian that this is when they're finally worried when anybody with melanin has been profiled since the Patriot Act and there was no concern then and now they're like so freaked out about the government having your data when they've been tracking a large percentage of the population. Not only that,
3: Mm -hmm. this bill right now gives you as a (laughs) citizen of Missouri the option to opt out of having a real ID. Yeah. Now, my problem with that is it's gonna cost us money to have a
0: two-tier system. Well, actually I asked about that question at a hearing that we had and I was told it was actually that the fiscal note showed it was cheaper, but here's the, the real story of two the two-tier system oh, because oh, they don't oh. have to because they don't have to gather or keep mm-hmm. the documents that are needed for real ID. But here's the here's the reality of what will happen if we have this two-tier system it's gonna get messed up mm-hmm. and you're gonna think you have a real yep. ID and you're gonna to go to fly on your vacation and you're gonna to get to the airport and they're not gonna let you on they're the plane say, because something got mixed up somewhere along the way so the record-keeping yep. involved throughout every place yep. around the state that's gonna be issuing it's these IDs is difference. going somewhere somehow there's gonna be a mistake made and let's just hope it's not the My. mistake that yep. impacts and it's gonna you or your going to be emergency
1: situations, you know, like people that, net, like, yes. well, I don't need to get a yes. real ID because I'm, I'm not going to fly anymore. Right. I'm, you know, like, I. but but then you have a relative that passes away on the other side of the country and you have to fly right. and you're not going to, and you know, you can't get these things turned around on a dime or it's going to be, no one ever thinks they're going to have to go to a federal courthouse, but you know what, sometimes right. that happens and you need to go to the federal courthouse. You might get called for jury duty or something like that. And then... Is That's that a good excuse for not doing jury duty?
3: Well, there might be now that you, you can't get in the building. can't get so like, let's
2: say you go to D.C. and you want to meet with your senator. You, oh, can't, get you can't get into, into the Senate building. As soon as Missouri complies, Like they're not going right. to have that exemption anymore. Right.
3: And we all can get a passport and that well, qualifies well i'm going to say okay that's the it's an uh, that's it's an alternative, alternative.
1: option well,
2: if you can afford only
1: people in <laughs> yes. privilege can even afford that's to $3. get right. Right. So there's right. that says.
2: and there's, yes. a, there's an even longer turnaround time for passports oh, and there gosh. will be yes. real id yes
3: right. so again an emergency situation you don't have these these documents available and you suddenly need a passport you might be able to get it. I think you can get a passport in three days. No, That's I think you can. If but you the have cost somebody congressional You yeah, have to go, go okay. to Chicago, and the
1: cost is extraordinary. Exactly.
3: Yeah. So yes, but we're now probably talking hundreds of dollars, and I do think we have to go to Chicago in person. Yeah. So uh, yes, in an emergency, and there are some that would qualify for somebody to go through that, but. What a hellacious!
1: Why answer. are we doing this though? Exactly. What yeah. a
3: hellacious answer for a simple issue we could have
1: resolved ten years ago. Because privacy. Right. Well, I'm still not even convinced these non-compliant IDs are going to be um, going to be allowed because it. When you read all the documentation that comes from the federal government on this, it, even in the states that are issuing the two types, there are some states that are issuing the two types of IDs now. Those are all states that are still keeping the backup documentation even for the non-compliant ID. So you know until I see something in writing from the very highest level of the federal government, I don't actually believe that the non that, that the state of Missouri will be allowed
2: to destroy. Um, there's the actually a Senate amendment to uh, 37 which would dis- it would allow the Missouri government to destroy all documentation if the federal government, uh, rolls back real id okay um but who's to say if that will pass through or what's going to happen it's yeah. all a mess and it's unnecessary and it's yeah. un- very frustrating. and driven
0: by as so much of what we don't do or do is driven by fear exactly yes. so. mm-hmm. yeah
2: so on that lovely note <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for your time thank you listeners you can find us at headsupmissouri.com and on itunes and we'll see you next week